Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak to Sonja, for whom relating to others is an important aspect of relating to self. Enjoy. Sonja, welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. So as is my custom, I will introduce who you are to the listeners by telling them how we met and what you mean to me. And then if it feels nice for you, then you can do something similar for me. So Sonia and I met, uh, maybe not surprisingly, in the context of Sandbox. And I realized that this name Sandbox comes up quite often during these conversations. So at some point, I think I will have to try to explain what it is. But in short, when I was introduced to Sandbox, when they accepted me as a member, I was assigned a mentor whom I could ask questions about the process or um, connections with the community. And that was Sonia. And from our very first call, I felt a kind of kinship, a kind of warmth, a kind of understanding that was there. And I very much cherish this connection that we created in that moment. And that has also expanded over the years. Um, our paths have intertwined quite a few times, especially because I was fortunate enough to live in your incredibly beautiful room in Berlin quite often, actually, every time I was in Berlin, for some strange reason, you were traveling and I was able to, to live in your room, which it's probably when I think about it, one of the spaces that I have felt the safest in, in my life, like the most quickly, like just entering that space of yours immediately. I felt like, yes, this is a place that I can call my home. And so that's something I associate with you, this sense of beauty and harmony in how you have created that space for yourself. For the rest, for me, Sonia is someone who is an example, who is a leader, who is a mentor in more ways than one. And I really admire the way she crafts her own life and she forges her own path and also helps others do the same. <sighs> wow. Wow. Thank you. That was... Uh... Yeah, I'm very touched, very deeply touched by the way you described our coming together and our meeting and your experiencing of me. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. I'd love to return that and also speak to my experience of you and not so much into what you do, but in how you show up with me and my experience of you. And perhaps the first thing, I'm very much a visual person. So when I imagine you, I imagine it's either a, a sort of classic, well-cut, stylish suit in some sort of a fine fabric, very fine fabrics with textures and a little subtle hint of color, or I'm picturing you in um, some sort of a sweater or pullover that's also a of a very fine material and very interesting colors, sort of artistic. 
Um, another idea I have of you is you're, for me, you represent the modern Renaissance man. So there's an aspect of you that is uh, very cultured, that is appreciative of fine details, fine things, but it's, and like a love for the arts, but it's balanced by this ability to sit in deep connection and presence with another person and a real authentic desire to get to know them. And I feel there's a slowness that comes with how you interact with people. It's not quick and surface, it's slow and it's deep. And it feels, it makes me feel like I want to share all of myself with you and what's happening in the depths of my world and who I am. And I have a deep trust that whatever I share, you will be with me. You will meet me and you won't judge me or reprimand me in any way, but you'll just simply meet me there in that acceptance. And maybe one more thing, something that I was asking you about earlier that's always stood out to me is also your, your love of music and singing. And there's a form of singing that, that you most love um, that I had never heard of. It's called 16th century Renaissance polyphony. And this is another thing that stands out to me. It's just the, the uniqueness of your pursuits and your interests as well and how they aren't necessarily what other people in the world are pursuing or what other people are interested in. And yet there's a, a real relatability to it. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Sonia. That's so beautiful. I really appreciate it, especially this word slowness that you used. Mm. I had never really thought about that word specifically, but it does resonate with me. And I realized that a lot of what I'm trying to do in the world is linked to slowing things down. Mm. <laughs> and I hope this conversation that we're going to have today is very much a part of that, that we can bring that slowness and that depth and that presence that you speak of. So I'm super happy to have you here. I'm secretly hoping that this will not be the last time you're on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's see what comes up. You know that a podcast is about relating to self, how we treat ourselves, how we show up to ourselves and the ways in which we find throughout life to improve that relationship in order to have a better life. So I'm very curious, just from a bird's perspective, when you hear the term relating to self, what comes up for you? What does it mean? So... In this concept of relating to self, I think um, if it's okay, there's a little bit of a perspective that I'd like to offer beyond just answering the question that you've posed and what it means to me to relate to self. And it starts with how in order for me to really know who I am, there is an element of myself that needs to relate to others. So beyond just looking at who is Sonia and what's important to me, it's also looking at what is the world and who are others, what's important to them, and how do I fit in in relation to the world context as a larger context? And if I look back to my 20s, there was a period of time where when I looked out into the world and I said, well, who do I want to be to the world? Like, what's important to me in this lifetime, in this existence? And I had a real focus on kindness and compassion. So what I really wanted to cultivate was this ability to be kind and compassionate towards everyone, anyone, no matter who they are. 
And then as that turned back into myself, it became, okay, well, what is my own relationship to kindness and compassion with myself? Am I kind to myself? Am I compassionate towards myself? And then the resounding response within me was, was no. So I had a lot to work on at that period of time in my 20s around how do I turn it back around so that I can be kind and compassionate towards myself so that I can be kind and compassionate towards others. And now that I'm in my 30s, that's shifted. So instead of the focus being on kindness and compassion, it has shifted to now being around how can I be a person around whom others feel that they can be fully themselves, they can be fully expressed, they can be the freest version of themselves. And as I once again turn that back in on myself, the question becomes, well, what is, what is my own ability to be with all the aspects of myself? all the complexity that's there beyond just the kindness and the compassion. But can I look at myself, look at all those parts of me that I don't like, that I judge, that I want to push away, that I believe if I were to show to the world, the world would reject me. And how am I being with those aspects? And I think some people might call this shadow work. And it's been something that's very important, very pivotal to my journey. So I would say, as I think about relating to myself, there's, to kind of summarize what I've just said, this component of, in order for me to relate to myself, there's a necessary component of also looking at how I am to others and relating to others for me to better know myself. And then at the core of that in my exploration right now, and fully acknowledging that this might change in the next decade, in the next year, that current exploration is around how can I be fully accepting of all expressions of people? And then my work now becoming how can I be fully accepting of all expressions of myself? Mm, beautiful. I love it. There's a lot there that I want to dig into. Um, let's start with the first thing you said, this idea of in order to find out who you are, you need to relate to the world. You need to have a vision of how you fit in that world. I think that's a really interesting concept, this idea of self-exploration through relating with others, because obviously we don't exist in a vacuum. We are nobody just on our own, especially in the beginning of our lives, right? We have these 100% dependent relationships, so we form ourselves in relationship to the world. So what I'm very curious about in your case is you seem to have been more aware of that in your 20s. And what kind of practices or actions did you take to help you understand who Sonia was in relationship to others? Yeah. One very specific practice is I, I would, and you might have heard it a little bit in the way that I described it, but I would actually dive into how I wanted to experience myself in the world, how I wanted to see myself. So I'd ask really big questions. Um, and these are some common coaching questions, things like if I had every resource available to me, uh, including manpower, intelligence, money, um, if I needed gold, computers, you know, whatever, what would I do? What would I do with that? Right. So I'd ask myself really big questions like that. Or if money weren't an issue, you know, what would I do in the world? And this helped me relate to, in a way, how do I want to be expressed in the world? What's important to me in that aspect? And then there's another one in... 
No, actually, I lost it. I lost that one. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I like that. I like these really big open-ended questions and removing the traditional barriers or, you know, what holds it, what holds us back um, in order to understand what it is that's truly there and how we want to be expressed, as you say. And it's a very nice way to put it. How do I want to express myself? I'm, I'm really interested also in this shift that you went through from focusing on kindness and compassion to being a person around whom others can be themselves unashamedly. And then also understanding that you want that for yourself. You want to be able to accept yourself as you are in each moment. I wonder how that change came to be. Like, was there a specific experience that made you realize that kindness and compassion were not the end point for you or was it just a, a natural organic evolution or how did that go mm, yeah i i deeply appreciate this question because i see it as an initiation that i went through but also one that friends around me are going through and there's there's a struggle to it and at the core it's this realization that there is more to us than just our good side and that if we don't give room and space to the aspects of ourselves that we are rejecting, it actually creates more struggle in our lives and more discomfort and more tension. And I don't know that it was any one instance that I could pinpoint that created that experience for me, but it was definitely an unfolding and an emerging of this realization that hey, I'm actually not seeing all of myself. And really I'm bypassing. So by going from the parts of myself that I don't like and pushing straight into kindness and compassion, I was bypassing some aspect of me. And that part of me wanted to be seen. It wanted to have voice. It wanted to come out. And then it would find unhealthy ways to express itself. And then it would be outside of my control and I would do or say things that I didn't understand. My behavior would be a reflection of that. And, and I'd have a lot of regret, which again, would just create more tension, more suffering. So one of the paths that I found through that was to stop resisting the aspects of myself that I didn't want to look at and to just give them that presence. So take that kindness and compassion I was trying to bypass into and turn it back in on myself towards the parts of myself that most needed it. Mm, yeah, I love that. That was going to be my next question, actually, because that's kind of like the framework that I use for myself. I think being kind and compassionate to those parts of myself that I actually don't like or have ignored for a long time and so on helps me navigate my relationship with those shadow parts of, of myself. Yeah. And I, I really like that you bring this up because I actually wrote a blog post about this yesterday that I published on Twitter about how a lot of the narratives around self-love are toxic in, in my view because they emphasize this like you know good vibes only or you always have to feel great and you always just have to say to yourself i love myself and then everything will be taken care of i very much don't agree with that i think there is a lot of value in seeing when you feel like shit and then sitting with that and accepting it and i love that you said stop resisting i think that that is that is key for me as well this idea of tension being what we want to avoid is being created by the fact that you resist whatever it is that comes. Yeah. And so I, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's really beautiful. This idea of 
stop resisting um, your your shadow parts. I I really wonder if because well, and you've talked about music in your introduction, and this is something that has come up in one of the earlier conversations on the podcast as well. I see some parallels in my mind between the work I'm doing that is about relating to myself, which is this idea of tension and release. There's a lot of tensions coming in from all kinds of things, external and internal. And then a lot of the work that is mine is to release those tensions, to find ways to navigate those waves of tension and release. And that's actually quite similar to what's happening in music. Mm -hmm. Music is a lot about tension and release, uh, dissonance and consonance or similar concepts. And I wonder if that's a concept, this idea of tension and release that feels familiar for you too, or if you have any, any thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. And I think this is part of why I so admire and appreciate our friendship is that we're often thinking the same things and using different language for it, but at the core is the same concept and what you call tension and release, I call contraction and opening beautiful but it but it is exactly the same thing and i love how your expression of it is spoken through your passion for an experience in music and my expression is spoken through somatic work and through the body and at the core they're the same thing and even there's a somatic practice where when we feel and may, maybe you can relate to this because i certainly have this i feel that there's so much emotion bubbling up within me and yet i can't get it out it's like, I know, I know there's something here and I, I, I just like, I want to cry or something's trying to come out and I just, I can't get it out. And one of the somatic practices that I use is I will tense my body up, curl it up into a little ball, squeeze my fists, even contort my face. And I try to squeeze every single muscle that I can consciously connect with in that moment, create absolute, complete, um, contraction in my body. And then I just release it in one sort of floodgate. And it doesn't always work, but when it does work, it's like I'm willing to try anything to get these practices to move and flow. And when it does work, it just opens the gate for this um, immensity. It's almost like a dam of emotions that was held up by something I can't explain to then come out and be expressed. And I feel that that's maybe another part of the conversation around, um, you know, why try to get ourselves to actually express emotions. But before we go there, I, I'm also curious about your own experience with this and your relationship mm. with tension and release, contraction and opening. Mm. Well, first of all, I have to say I am loving this. I think this, this is a practice I have never heard of before. So that's always something <laughs> that, you know, triggers my mind. I'm like, wow, this is new. Um, a full, complete body contraction, every single muscle that you can actually contract, you contract and then you let go and then it opens a floodgate. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful idea that I'm definitely going to try. Um, the other thing that I resonated with what you said when, you know, when you feel these emotions coming up and you don't really know how to express them. And I was actually feeling something like that in the moment. Like I feel so much love for you and so much connection i'm like yes yes there's this emotion coming up and i don't really know how to express it because i'm at the moment i'm just listening and i'm giving you space to speak on this podcast mm. and that felt very congruent with what you were saying so that was also a, a beautiful moment for me mm. um yeah when it comes to my somatic practices i am limited let's say i i don't have um 
many of them. One thing I do a lot is just dancing slash shaking, just like allowing my body to move in any possible way that it feels like moving or wants to move or even move just mechanically. If I just let go and I shake around, my arms will move just by themselves. And mm. I feel that's releasing a lot of tension. The other thing I sometimes engage with is um, trauma release exercises, um, lying on your back, uh, curling up your legs in a specific way so that they have this kind of like um, own frequency vibration almost kind of like, and that brings out certain tensions in the body. And mm. I like that practice, but I have to say, I haven't done much somatic work yet. I've, I've done a couple of courses that I felt difficult for me to, to relate to in mm. the way they explain things. So that's an exploration I'm still, I'm still in, I would say. But so, yeah, um, then let's go into this idea of, of emotional release that I think is, is very interesting. If, if you feel like that's where you want to take this. Yeah, um, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. first of all, very basic question perhaps, but how do you feel, how do you notice that there is an emotional tension in you? I, so at its core, it feels uh, like any sort of tension or contraction in the body. And sometimes it's really obvious. It might be um, a, a pain that I feel in my hip that just came out of nowhere that I know isn't necessarily related to a hip problem that I have because I don't have hip problems. It might be a contracted muscle in my shoulder. It might be a small twitch under my eye. Um, it can be a feeling of uh, breath is also a really good one. Just noticing that my breathing is actually stopping. Like, yes, we understand that mechanically air is going into my lungs. I'm breathing, but it feels like my breath is stopping right at my collarbone, that it's not actually going down, that my belly isn't loose. So breath is another really great one. But, it, but again, it can be, like I said, very, very subtle. It can just be a, like a twitch underneath my eye that shows that there's some form of contraction within the body. Mm, I like that. So are you trying to be aware of all those very minute changes in your body at all times? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's, um, it's, oh gosh, I think one of the things I try to keep in mind in this sort of work and somatic work and emotional release is not to create more work for myself and not to create, um, especially kind of mental load on it. And I think that it's like, once we know things around how to take care of ourselves, how to take care of our body, there can be be, um, a push, like a, a, a voice of, well, well, I should do this. And like, I know how to do this. I need to pay attention. I need to be aware. I need to make sure. And then suddenly I feel even more stress and tension than I did before I was aware of these practices. And so, so I think it, like as a baseline, we definitely don't want to create that experience in ourselves or other people. Um, and so there's a, there's a lightness that comes with it. So as opposed to a, a trying to notice, um, and I know this has probably been said many times, but practices like meditation, I cannot speak to the benefits enough. That's what creates the gap between like what's happening and, and your actual noticing of it so that you can choose a different reaction. Um, but other than that, it, once you've cultivated that ability to just notice like, oh, my eyes twitching and maybe it was twitching for two days before I noticed it was twitching. But the moment I notice it's having that noticing and then being like, oh, okay, something's happening. Let me sit with this. 
Yeah. Mm, I, I like that so much, this idea of not pushing yourself into all the practices that you know are good for you, because that's definitely something I've struggled with at times as well, you know, feeling, oh, I have some tension, I'm working right now. I know I should engage in my practices, but hey, I need to finish this work as well. So <laughs> that's too. always like a balance to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um, me too. There's, there's another interesting thing there that speaks to me, and that, that is this idea of indeed having a practice that just trains general awareness that you can then use for different things. You mentioned meditation. I think that's a great example. Med meditation helps you focus your mind in a way that will be helpful throughout everything you do, even if you're not focusing your mind in the very moment. And I felt a similar, similar kind of effect of the, the Love for Weeks program that I'm hosting, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a, a habit building of self-love. It's just noticing one moment every day, like, hey, I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this because I love myself. Capturing that moment, doing something with that, posting it, writing about it, whatever. And I feel similarly to what you describe, that has allowed me to notice and be aware of other moments throughout my day that I'm actually caring for myself or, or that I behave lovingly towards myself mm. that I would otherwise not have noticed. And it can be in very simple acts like making a cup of tea or just getting up for two seconds and walking around the room or simple things that maybe otherwise would be lost in the stream of consciousness that we go through. Yeah. And so cultivating the ability to perceive these things, such as twitches in your body or loving acts that you create for yourself, I think is a, is a beautiful result of a practice of creating more awareness in, in the mind. Yeah, exactly. I absolutely agree with that as well. And it, and I think part of the reason why I don't want to go on about meditation is because it's something that it's like, again, we know about it. We know that it's there. And I very much believe that we will do the practices that we feel drawn to and that there's enough a kind of pressure in this should or have to voice in our heads that we don't need to add to it, that we should allow ourselves to be in the practices that feel most natural for us as they arise. Um, but also having group being in a group where you're cultivating specific habits, like the program that you have, I think that that is also really special is being able to do it with others, as opposed to feeling like you're alone on that journey and having the accountability and the support of a group field. Um, it just does so much more than trying to do it on our own. I so agree with that. And it's very relatable in my own life because I've struggled to get into meditation for many, many years until I finally allowed myself to go to a meditation retreat where I sat with a group who all had the same singular purpose of learning how to meditate. And that was only seven days, but that kickstarted for me the, the ability to have that practice then throughout my life later. So that, that's, that's insane if you think about it. Just sitting together with a group of 10 people who want the same thing changes everything. So that brings me to my next question. Um, when it comes to your beautiful way of navigating your relationship with yourself, what kind of group practices are involved in, in that? Do you seek out others to help you on that path in some way? hundred uh, percent. Yes. So any, and it's, it's a bit of what we talked about at the beginning. So in any effort to relate to myself, that's, it's like the yin to the yang, there has to be a component where we're also relating to others. 
within that. And it's really through others that we can learn more about ourselves. And actually it brings me to, and you asked me that first question and I was like, yeah, there's a couple of things. And I mentioned the big questions and I forgot the second part. Um, that second part is, is the part where you simply ask other people to be part of your process. And it can be, um, something in a way as simple as, you know, if I'm trying to learn more about myself it can be as simple as, um, Hey, will you tell me how you've experienced me as a friend or how do you see me? And this requires an immense amount of vulnerability and trust. So it's not necessarily something you could just throw on a stranger or someone who doesn't know you as well. It's vulnerable for them to share how they see, how they might see us. But it's, um, something that I like to ask sometimes just to understand, okay, how am I perceived by my friends and they can help create an anchor for me that the muddiness and muckiness of my own thoughts and perceptions of myself don't necessarily bring me the clarity to see. And so it's almost like this beacon that points to the clarity of, ah, this is how you're showing up to others based on your actions and your words. And is it also true for you? So it gives me this starting point because again, in my relationship to myself, there's so, there's so much conditioning there around us oh, Sonia, you should be this and you have to do that. And, um, you know, based on how people might have parented you, if you were bullied, um, how you might think about yourself and that belief system and relationship to self. And a lot of those things aren't true. They're things that others have judged you for or projected onto you that were really more about them. And this also goes into the shadow aspect. So when they don't do their shadow work, they're projecting aspects of themselves that they don't feel comfortable with onto us. And then we take them into our identity because these are people whom we trust, whom we look up to, whom we want to respect us and whom we want to like us. But it really muddies our view of ourselves. So we get this sort of... Um, jumbled mess of a perception of self. And it takes time to really weed through that and get to the core of, no, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is what is true. And that absolutely has to be done in conjunction with others and how they perceive us and what they experience of us. Yeah. What's your relationship with it? Yeah, I, I agree so much with what you said about the muck that's there from from all the early relating we've done in our lives and i feel that's very much uh, part of my path as well this idea of intergenerational trauma that is pretty much this what you call like you know putting the shadows in the next generation i think that that's quite difficult to deal with because you have no reference frame in the beginning of your life so i think what you are speaking to is basically creating a new reference frame from trusted people around you who can then reflect who you are perhaps in a more accurate way than the people in your earlier past could so that your exactly your understanding of yourself through this reflection improves because now you have chosen the people and you have invited them to be truthful um, and i think that's a that's an absolutely beautiful concept that i think i will try to implement more in my life mm. and there's um, an i think there's an added bonus to this. So when we bring in um, people whom we trust to give us a reflection of ourselves and we we have a, let's say, a relationship where we feel comfortable telling each other deep truths, then there's also the opportunity for them to reveal to us our shadow aspects that we're not really able to see. So it's like we get rid of the gunk of what, what really isn't us, what's other people's stuff that they put on to us. And it's not just about seeing, oh, look at the, look at the love and light at the center. Again, it's not about that. It's also 
also what are our own shadow aspects and what a blessing it is to have people around us who aren't afraid to tell us the hard truth about how we're showing up and the impact that's having on others. To me, that's, that's such a blessing and what I definitely seek out in all of my friendships and people who are close to me is I'm like, you know, tell me, tell me the real stuff. I'm not here to feel good all the time. You know, I want to feel joy and bliss at times, but I'm not here to feel good all the time. My journey here is one to grow and to learn and to expand into the fullness of myself. And I can't do that if there are parts of myself that I'm not able to see. So please help me see, help me see these things. Tell me and I'll sit here and I'll receive when I'm ready, then I consent. <laughs> Which <laughs> yes, is another that addition conversation. is very important. <laughs> yes, yes. But I would say fuck yes to all of this. This is this is wonderful, Sonia. And well, I would love to go much deeper on on that subject, but I also want to honor your time. So as we come towards the end of this conversation, um, I'm curious about two more things. Um, one is basically what you would like to share with the audience. If there's anything that you want to impart on them, that you want them to check out, maybe something you can give them or something someone else is giving that you think is valuable. But before that, I would also love to ask you if there was still any question that you would have liked to be able to answer on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I'll answer the question about any question there's one one of my favorite questions to ask and, and to also be asked that helps me understand a person and what's important to them and you know who they are is um what is the greatest compliment that someone could give you? Like what would just light you up and make you feel like, wow, I'm I'm seen. I'm really seen. And what would that be for you? I'm curious now, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's, um, something like, wow, Sonia, I, I feel like I can be fully myself with you. I can sit in your presence and know that I won't be judged. I won't be ostracized. I feel that you meet me exactly where I am in all the complexity and the messiness of me that shows up. And I can see and feel that you're holding yourself through that. So I don't need to take care of you while I'm expressing my fullness and my messiness. Um, yeah, that would just, that would just light me up to know that. Beautiful. I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say that, I reflect on whether or not that's true for me. And what I feel is something like, wow, when I first met you, that definitely was not the case. But throughout the years that I've known you, we've come there, you know, we, we've come to that point, I think, where I, I can be myself with you. And I also accept you as you are. Mm. And that's really precious to me. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that as well. And now, yes, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience? Um, anything that you think they should read or research or follow? Or maybe even you, you know, if they can find you somewhere, uh, this is the time. Yeah. I mean, what we've spoken about isn't directly related to the work that I do, but if people are interested in um, leadership and executive coaching and business presence and these topics, they can find me on my website, which is soniakessler.com. And then there's other aspects to this relating to self that, that I think are really important that we didn't go into deeply. Um, one around 
this expression of emotions and just knowing that it is, it's, how do I put it? Not just okay, but also incredibly necessary that we find ways to express ourselves, to move what we're feeling within our bodies outwards, and that there are healthy ways to release emotions that don't involve hurting or attacking other people. And, um, and it helps. It really helps. So there's ways to channel our anger, to work with our sadness, um, even um, emotions of jealousy or fear or disgust. There are somatic practices for all of this. And um, I'm not sure any one resource that's out there. There's so many. Um, but maybe you and I could have another conversation around somatic practices for emotional release. And... Um, and have some very specific tools and techniques to use as well. I think that is a most wonderful thought, especially since that was my secret hope at the beginning of this recording. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that comes full part circle. Two. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sonia. Yes, I will invite you for a part two conversation and hopefully a part three and so on, because I honestly, I love having these conversations with you. I think it's absolutely magical every single time I learn and that's beautiful mm, yeah and thank you for sharing all this knowledge with the world because it's certainly something that I feel there's a hunger for and a need for and a desire for but also it's difficult to navigate the complexity of our beings and to be with all of that knowing how to relate with ourselves so thank you for pulling together this resource and being the the vortex that that brings in the knowledge and sends it out Thank you. I appreciate that. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks.